0: The feast day season is here. And you may look at me like, Petey, what do you mean the feast day season is here? It's September. We're a few months away from December. It's not the festive time yet. There's no Santa Claus things yet. And even though the stores may be decorated, it's certainly not that time yet. What are you talking about? Well, you see, biblically speaking, when we look at what the scriptures say and the feast days therein, we come across seven festivals. Passover, the feast that landed on the day that Jesus Himself was sacrificed as our Passover lamb. And that's then followed by the festival of unleavened bread, where Jesus was actually put on the grave. On this festival of unleavened bread, the people in the first century, while He was being put in the grave, were actually celebrating this feast by taking the leavened bread out of their homes. Leaven represents sin. And by removing the leavened bread from their homes, they were in effect cleansing their homes. And that's how they celebrated this biblical feast. You see the connection Jesus dying for the sins, taking sins away and then then taking their sins out of their house by removing the leaven. It's quite amazing. And many of them didn't even realize it at the time that they were celebrating that feast and the relevance of it, that it was pointing all towards Jesus. And so there's the rest of the festivals thereafter. We have the Feast of First Fruits, where he was raised as the first fruits. We then also have the festival of Pentecost, also known as the festival of Shavuot in Hebrew where we see the Holy Spirit is poured out 50 days later. And then we have the full feasts come up. The, these feasts are all unfulfilled. The, the coming, the, the full feasts they haven't been fulfilled yet. That It hasn't all the events that had needs to take place on them hasn't taken place yet. For example, we see at the Feast of Trumpets how we read in Revelation that he will come back as with a blowing of a trumpet. Jesus will come back in that way. And that's what the feast of trumpets is all about. And this and that's just why Jesus says that no one knows the day or the hour because the feast of trumpets no one knows the day or the hour when that festival is celebrated because it is the only feast that was that is indicated completely by the sighting of the moon which can be obstructed by weather or whatever, and so no one can really tell the day or the hour, but we will know the season. And then we have thereafter the Day of Atonement, right? And this is this festival represents Judgment Day when God pours out his wrath on the earth, and when we will all have to give an account for our lives. And then at the last festival is the feast of Sukkot which represents also the marriage supper of the Lamb. And all of these pieces, as you just heard me explain, are intricately and deeply connected to Jesus. They're all about Him. And you see, I don't know about you, but when I was raised, no, I wasn't learning any of this in church you know this was never talked about you know maybe we would talk about pentecost or maybe sometimes passover is mentioned and but actually we just keep easter and we have the easter bunnies and all that and we have instead of the others we have christmas and the christmas tree and the presents and santa claus and all these things and then We sometimes protest and say we need to put Jesus back in Christmas because the world has taken over over it. But brothers, sisters, what if Christmas was never his to begin with? What if Christmas is not a biblical feast day? See, for a feast of God to be biblical, it needs to be in your Bible. But Christmas isn't. The festival of Easter is not in your Bible either in the celebration of the bunnies and the chocolate candy and everything like that. That is not in the Bible at all. We have the Feast of Passover, but it's usually celebrated on a different day as Easter anyway. And so what we have found ourselves to have been doing is unknowingly for most of us, this is out of ignorance. Like We don't know about it, but we have traded the biblical feast days of God for traditions, for things that we do just because our mom and dad and their mom and dad and their mom and dad does it for things that have been exchanged. We have exchanged things that are unnecessary like Christmas and Easter for things that are necessary, like the keeping of the rest of the festivals. And you might say, well, PD, why are they necessary? Aren't those Jewish feasts? On the contrary, God never said that they are Jewish feasts. They're considered Jewish just because the Jewish people today are the only peoples who are actually still keeping them. But that doesn't mean they're Jewish. God called them his feasts. No one else's but his. Leviticus 23 verse 2. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. And you may think, well, PD, wow, like these are God's feasts. Yeah, they're God's. He gave it to us for us. To exercise these things which are on his calendar. These events. And these events will train us for that great day when that trumpet blows and he comes back. And we are actually right now just about to come to that day of the festival of trumpets. Which is one of the feasts that he asked us to keep. And this feast now teaches us about his coming and preparing for it. You know. And so... You may think, well, Petey, where has this gone wrong? How? Why have I never really heard of this? Why is this the first news I've had of it? Well, let me tell you what happened. You see, around 300 AD, a guy named Constantine, a ruler in the Roman Empire, came to Christ. He became a Christian. And whether his conversion was true or not, You know, that is to be debated amongst many. However, his conversion had a very profound impact on the world from there on out. See, the Roman Empire was mostly a pagan culture. They were inherently pagan. To the root. And so Constantine's conversion was a very radical event in the midst of such a pagan culture, especially for a leader like him. And so this conversion was for Christianity or for the faith both a blessing and a curse. A blessing in that the Roman Empire at the time was probably the most powerful empire. And with Constantine, the leader now in adopting his Christian faith, he then made it the national religion. And as he now started making this the national religion in the midst of an inherently pagan culture, as you can imagine, there were some compromises that needed to be made because of the pagan culture. They needed to make it easy on these pagans to come into this Christian faith, which in many cases, as you can imagine, is very different from one another. And so on top of this problem of the paganism in the country, we also had a rise of anti-Semitism or hatred towards Jewish people or anything that has any appearance or connection to anything that may look Jewish. But this is a little bit of a problem, as you can imagine, because Jesus himself, his name is Yeshua in the Hebrew. Yeshua is actually a Jew. Jesus was a Jew himself. He grew up in a Jewish family, in a Jewish culture. And even though he walked and became the Messiah who died for the world, he was doing things and participating in were in works and obedience to commandments that were seen in the c- world at that point as Jewish in nature. So, for example, keeping the commandments of God, right? The what we what we can call the Torah or the Ten Commandments or whatever you want to call it, if you were to keep it right in in 100 AD or so, you will you will be considered as part of the Jewish faith or some sort of a Jewish branch, even if you were a follower of Jesus, you would be considered some because that's what the Jews did. They kept the instructions of the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And so now we have this Roman pagan culture of a Christian leader coming to faith, and they have a hatred and anti-Semitism in them against Jews. And so what naturally started happening? Is to create the divide or to create a separation between the Jews and them who then who then they start calling themselves Christians to create that separation, that division. Of course, the first thing that needs to happen is the times of worship will need to be affected. You see, if someone is a Jew. And they even believe in Jesus because there were many like that. They were called Messianic Jews. If they celebrated the commandment of keeping the fourth commandment, the Sabbath day, every Saturday or the seventh day, that would mean we can't join them because that we don't like the Jews, right? As as the Romans, they would think we don't like the Jews. We don't like what they do. We don't like what they represent. And by the way, they also killed Jesus in their minds, even though it was not all the Jews who did that, but only a, a, a section of them who may have who may have been responsible. We now have that. And now what are gonna, what's going to happen is we're going to say, well, we don't want to celebrate on the same day as they. So what happened? is we have Roman Catholicism or Christianity back then come along and they changed the Sabbath day from Saturday to Sunday. And so you may ask and you may wonder, well, what authority would they have to do such a thing? We can let them answer that question. In the converts Catholicism of Catholic doctrine, we see a Q&A, which offers answers to common questions posed to Catholics. And we see the following questions asked. Which is the Sabbath day? Saturday is the Sabbath day. Why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church in the Council of Laodicea in AD 336 transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. By what authority did the church substitute Sunday for Saturday? The church substituted Sunday for Saturday by the plenitude of that divine power which Jesus Christ bestowed upon her. In other words, the Catholic Church believes even to this day that they have authority, the change scripture, they have authority to change that fourth commandment of keeping the seventh day holy to rather keeping the first day holy, which is today known as Sunday. Interesting that it falls on Sunday. You see, the Roman uh, pagan gods of the first century were sun gods. And Sunday was the day that most pagan religions were actually celebrating their um, coming together and their events. So this was a great thing for in the eyes of the Roman Empire and that they can reunite pagans. They can meet pagans where they are with the Christian faith while also get pushing the Jews away and creating a distinction between them and Jews. It doesn't stop at the Sabbath, though. We also now, as mentioned, have the festivals of God that were replaced. Christmas and Easter were fe- feast days that, like we talked about, aren't in our Bibles. So where do they come from? They are inherently pagan, too. And the problem with it, you can say, PD, I'm not about celebrating a pagan god," And, and that's that's fine. That's well. The biggest problem about it, though. Is that we have exchanged our the feast days that our father has given that says that he when he says these are my feast. We have taken those and we've said we exchange that for festivals that are never instructed by God, never asked of us to do. And we have completely abandoned and forgotten the actual ones he has instructed us to keep in his instructions in the Bible. Doesn't this kind of sound familiar to some of the things that Jesus himself talked about in addressing the Pharisees? He said himself when they were trying to uphold their traditions, their laws that were not laws from God, not laws of the Bible or of the Old Testament at all, but rather traditions. They were lifting it above keeping the actual law of God that was written in the Torah or in our Old Testaments. The same laws that Jesus actually did walk out perfectly. And they in in addressing them, Jesus told them this. He said, Thus, you nullify. You make void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. Mark seven, verse 13. The biggest problem is, is that we make void. We nullify the word of God through our actions of not keeping his festivals anymore in any way, but rather pushing them aside to keep keep festivals that he have not commanded. But rather festivals that have simply been handed down and we keep them because it is traditionally accepted, culturally accepted for a Christian to do. And so we don't question it. Hosea 8, verse 12, were I to write for him my laws by the 10,000s, they would be regarded as a strange thing. This is exactly what has happened. We live in an age and a culture where even Christians are regarding his law and his instructions as a strange thing. And look. I don't blame you if if you may feel like this is applicable to you because it is certainly applicable to me, too. And we have just been growing up in this culture where we have just not been taught these things. But God is doing something amazing. It's something exciting. He's restoring us back to his truths. He's restoring us back to the exciting walk of the first century. Church, he is bringing us back to signs, wonders, miracles and great things that were happening there, but also to the truth that the first century century church was walking in. Would it be a shock if I told you that the first century church weren't celebrating Christmas or Easter, but they were actually celebrating the feast days of God and they were actually in unity with the Jewish people, those who believed in Jesus before the Catholic Church came along to cause the division that we just talked about with Constantine. And what I'm talking about is not something that's supposed to be weird or foreign, because it's all over our Bibles and our New Testament. For example, we see Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament himself, And he was one who was sent to, in his words, sent to the Gentiles to help them see Messiah, see Jesus, Yeshua. He himself kept the festivals. He himself kept the Sabbath day on the seventh day, Saturday, instead of the later change date of Sunday. Acts 17 verse 2. And Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. In Acts 17, verse 2, we see Paul going to this synagogue on this Sabbath day because that was what his custom was. Many theologians have tried to explain this away to say that. Paul just went there to try and reach the audience of the Jewish on the Sabbath. And surely that was part of it. But that's not why he went in the first place. That was not his main reason for him mentioning on the Sabbath. It says it was because it was his custom. It was the way he did things that he went on the Sabbath day. And he set that day apart from the rest of the week. Just like God commanded in Genesis two, verse three, even before the law was ever given. We also see Paul keeping the feast days in Acts 18, verse 21. We read, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that comes in Jerusalem. But I will again return to you if God wills. And then he sailed from Ephesus. Paul found himself in a place called Ephesus and he was there with a group of believers. He was training, discipling them, fellowshipping with them, spending time with them. It was a great time. And they and then he said suddenly to them, I need to go. I must by all means keep the coming festival in Jerusalem for the temple was still standing. And so therefore it was a requirement for you to go to Jerusalem. and then keep the feast. And then so then they actually told him, well, Paul, no, don't go, don't go. And, and he said, no, I must by all means go. I cannot miss this, guys. This is so important for me to keep this feast that he went, got on a boat and traveled across the ocean to get there. And so. This is how important it was to him. Paul said in his other letters, imitate me. Be an imitator of me as I am of Christ in one Corinthians 11 verse one. Paul is saying, look at my life. Look at the things I did. And he kept the Sabbath. He kept the feast amongst other things and obedience to the father's instructions like the father's the Father's instruction is like this love letter to us, and Paul knew it, and he was obedient to it, and he then says to us, "Be an imitator of me because I'm just imitating Christ, and surely that's the case because Christ imita- did the same thing, he kept the festivals, he kept the Sabbath too. He was obedient to his father's instructions in every way. In fact, if he was not, he would be in sin because sin is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3 verse 4. And so, therefore, Jesus would not be able to die for any of us if he did not keep his father's instructions because he would have sin on him. And so it is important for us to walk in freedom from sin by being obedient to what the father told us to do. Not exchanging it for the teachings of men or traditions of men. Jesus also told his disciples to listen to the instructions of his father. In Matthew 23 verse 1 we read. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you but not the works they do, for they preach, but do not practice. This is a crazy verse from Jesus because he's saying, go to Moses' seat where the Pharisees are, listen to them and do whatever they tell you, but just don't do what they do because they're hypocrites. They they don't practice what they preach. But how can Jesus tell us to do what Pharisees are doing? It doesn't make any sense because he was opposed to certain Pharisees, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Certain Pharisees were opposed to Jesus because he came and spoke against their traditions and it offended them. However, whenever they sat on Moses' seat, which was described here by Jesus, the seat of Moses was a place where only the Bible, only the Old Testament, what we have today, could be read. They were not allowed to to say anything except what is written in that scripture. And that is how the people would go to hear the scripture, because they didn't have Bible shit like we have today. But not only that, Jesus tells them to be obedient to everything written in it. Be obedient to the laws, including the feast days, like we talked about in the beginning of this video, because it is included in the instructions that the father asked us to be obedient to. Acts 15, verse 21, for from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. In Acts 15, the apostles are talking to Gentile believers, people who aren't Jews and telling them that the the Torah is being read every Sabbath in the synagogues. You can go get the instructions there. So they are pointing the people to the father's instructions to God's very word. And that is what I want to propose to you today. Let's return to the father's instructions, his word, because I don't know about you, but, you know, years ago, I just was feeling empty. I was just feeling like I was doing Christmas. I was doing Easter, I was doing all these things, but there was something missing. And I want to submit to you that this is a piece to that puzzle, that that puzzle that is missing in our lives. We need to return to his word, his instructions, the way that the first century church walked it out and kept it. The way that Paul himself, the one who wrote most of our New Testament, kept it. And so brothers and sisters, please understand. I understand, you know, where you may be if you've never heard about this before. And I am not here to point the finger because I myself Have been in that place where I did not have the knowledge. But God says that his people can be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so it is important for us to study ourselves approved. So we can worship him in spirit and truth. And our life may be a good testimony to him. So don't be born into an ignorance and just remain there. Dig deeper and the father will reveal himself in the deepness of his truth to you. I hope you have a great festive season in September and October. For these are the feast times of our Father as laid out in the scriptures. If this video has blessed you, consider subscribing, liking this video and sharing it with your friends. We have many more videos on the feast days on this channel. So please check them out to learn more about them. I hope that this video has blessed you. Blessings and shalom.